Oh, wait, you didn't count down. That's okay. Keep going. We can edit it out. The following podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh, wait, this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> going to tell me that there was not enough room on that piece of wood for both Rose and Jack. There's no freaking way you're going to tell me that. He doesn't want to be on there with her. Why doesn't he want to be on there with her? Like, it's fucking freezing in there. He's getting blown by a mermaid, dude. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Titanic. What a great movie. Did, did, say that one more time. Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to say it the right way. That movie sucks. (laughs) Titanic. Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Titanic. Yeah, Titanic. And then there's Titanic Part 2, which was uh, um, Pearl Harbor, but that was a little better. That, That was a good movie. Yeah, a little better than Titanic. <laughs> the best part of that one was Tom Sizemore walking out of the hangar with a shotgun, pointing it at a <laughs> fleet in Japan, like, you Jap motherfuckers, and boom, boom, boom. Now, I'm not promoting racial talk. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying it was in the movie. Yeah, you're quoting a movie. Let's be clear but, about that. But, like, it's like, dude, you're carrying a shotgun. They're at, like, you know, 15,000 feet. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to hit shit. It's like in movies when people walk out with a handgun and somebody's running at 100 yards away, running away, and they're like, boom, headshot. I was going to say that bird shot that was in the shotgun must be pretty good to make 15,000 feet. Yeah. Did you see him take any planes down with that? Did you see him in Titanic Part 2? Titanic Part 2? No, I didn't see that. No. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Two Loose Screws podcast, but today we're the Three Loose Screws, and this is going to be part two of the 90s. We're talking about uh, movies of the 90s. We promised you we would have our top five list. We've changed the rules probably two or three times where we can have honorable mentions. I had an honorable mention that turned into two honorable mentions. Sean got butt hurt, so then now he get to add his honorable mention. No, 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 no. no. I didn't get butt hurt. It's just you make the rules, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm changing the rules. (laughs) That's pretty accurate depiction of what exactly happened, because I couldn't figure out what to remove. Well, then then don't just say, okay, we're going to pick five and have an honorable mention. Then make your choices, and then just say, all right, well, now we get to pick seven movies. It's essentially what's exactly going down. We get to pick our seven movies from the 90s. Okay. Well, let's do it. Like I said, this is the Three Loose Screws podcast. That over there is Dan. Right over here is Chris. And this is Sean. Uh, Dan, you're the guest here. Why don't you go first? What are your top five plus two honorable mentions (laughs) favorite movies (laughs) from the 90s? Um. 
you know, I got to go with Tarantino in the 90s. Pretty much um, all the Tarantino movies are gold. But uh, there's Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Both of those are in there. I, I can't sort them in order. I'm, I apologize for that. Um, there's the original Jurassic Park. That's number three. Um, uh, there's always Leon the Professional. That's that's a pretty good one, but the book gets a little bit more messed up. Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then uh, Shawshank Redemption, of course. Uh, you know, um, Fight Club, one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, Fight Club is there. And uh, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, hold on. What number are you on? Six. So it's an honorable mention? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess if it, you know, number six is honorable mention. You just but say the, Romeo and Juliet the only the reason I picked Romeo and Juliet is because it's hilarious. Watch that, and I dare you not to laugh watching that. Because it's, yeah, it's funny. I think it's funny. It's a tragedy. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not the not the way uh, Shakespeare wrote it. They have a gun that's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be a sword. Like a Uzi, right? <laughs> no, he's got like a handgun that says a sword on the side of it, and he throws it in the ground and sticks it in the ground. And that's <laughs> that's shit's funny to me. I, I laughed my ass off when I saw that. He's making a good point. And then uh, uh, last honorable mention, I will go with uh, Swingers, which kind of leads into the 90s music that I wanted to talk about and how popular swing dancing was in the 90s and uh, bands like Cherry Pop and Daddies was in that movie. Is that Vince Vaughn and John Favreau? Yeah, John Favreau is the main character in that movie. And uh it's it's I like that movie. It's it's got a, some good style to it and uh it's kind of a sad sad yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's good. All right. That is that your list? Yeah. How many honorable mentions did you have too? The Swingers and the Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, yeah. Romeo and Juliet is honorable mention. It's not going to be a favorite, but I, you know, I, I laughed when I saw it. I don't think the girl I watched it with appreciated me laughing at the show that much, but I didn't know it wasn't supposed to be a comedy. All right, Chris, let's hear yours. All right. So we'll just, we'll do this. Usually we go like from, Excuse me. Back to front, but I'm going to go number one to honorable mention. So my number one movie from the 90s, without question, was Tombstone. I just freaking love every character in there, especially Doc Holliday and even wider. Uh, number two was Aladdin, Disney cartoon. <clears throat> uh, number three was Heat uh, by Michael Mann. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, number four was Forrest Gump, or I'm sorry, Aladdin Heat, Few Good Men, number five was Forrest Gump. Um, strangely absent from this list is anything that Martin Scorsese did, but my honorable mentions are going to go to I Couldn't Decide Between Major Pain and Twister. Yeah. Yeah, all of those are good. Like, and, and you know, if we had made a top 20 list, we'd still be debating it, but, like, for now, you know, it's a living, breathing list. So Tombstone, Aladdin, Heat, Few Good Men, Forrest Gump, with honorable mentions to Major Pain and Twister. Mr. Rua, you, sir. All right. 
So, you guys, what, what were the comedies that you guys had? I had Major Payne. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, Juliet, and... and I had Major Payne. Major Payne? And Aladdin. Aladdin's a comedy? Well, I mean, I thought Robin Williams' as the genie was pretty funny. Well, he was pretty funny. Okay. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't get any Robin Williams movies well, in there. He's, I was trying uh, to find room for Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. She's, she's definitely top ten. Or he, she's definitely top ten. Okay. Let, Ace Ventura. I knew you were going to go there. I had to. Yeah. Which one? Oh, the first. Okay. So, Ace Ventura, and then I have Tommy Boy, Dumb and Dumber. Yep. I mean... <laughs> We basically reenacted that entire movie from Missouri to Arizona. Oh, yeah. Um, then I had to put in um, Fight Club, Few Good Men. My honorable mentions are Shawshank and The Green Mile. Well, that's, the Green Mile's good, too. Yeah, and the Scorsese ones, I, I forgot about those when I was making my list. They're, they're good movies, too. But, I uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pick seven movies out of the greatest 10 years of, you know, when you were at your prime, you know. So with um, Scorsese, I think most people, when I say most people, I think 9.99999 people out of 10, probably going to go Goodfellas. I'm going Casino. I don't know, that opening scene on Goodfellas where they're cutting the garlic with the razor blade, it always makes my mouth water. I love Goodfellas. Yeah, it's a good like, one. I don't know what it is about Casino. I just, I freaking love that movie. And man, Joe Pesci, he just gets the shaft in both those movies. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking really. made in Goodfellas and like his brains are splattered everywhere. And then like in Casino, they took it up a notch. Like, you know, we're just going to beat the shit out of you with a baseball bat. But before we do that, we're going to beat up your nephew and kill him with a baseball bat. Yeah. That's kind of cruel. Yeah, they're they're powerful movies. I mean, a good movie can make you, yeah, really. Oh man, yeah, I haven't seen too many movies that can make you feel those feels, feelings. Sorry. Okay, this is kind of dipping off from the '90s temporarily. I'm gonna come right back. Have you started watching Yellowstone yet? No, I I haven't had much time. I've been traveling. All right. So. so I've I've been watching Yellowstone, but like me and my wife were watching it together, so we don't you know, there's a lot of times like during the week where we're where our schedules aren't very synced, right? So it's like I can't I can't watch Yellowstone because I gotta wait on her. So I started eighteen eighty three, which is a prequel. Okay. And you know, my wife was interested in it, but she came and she's like, Hey, what do you think of it? I said, I think it is probably one of the most well done cinematic masterpieces in the form of a television show that has ever been done acting was beautiful the you know the cinematography was beautiful it was fantastic you can never watch this and like it took her by surprise i'm like why can't i watch it like that is the saddest shit i've ever seen it's basically the oregon trail oh yeah and as a father of daughters and i will leave it at that not recommended that a father with daughters watch it okay i just, i didn't know if you had a chance to watch it you, you i know you're in the yellowstone sean have you watched any of the prequels yet no not at all um i've heard from a few people you know that like 
were saying, what, 1883? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I heard it was amazing, but I have not watched it. No, it 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 takes your breath. You know, like you mm-hmm. watch it, you know, the first, I want to say maybe two, three episodes, like you're in, like it's up and down and up and down, like in terms of like, you know, the drama and like the sadness, but like there's some funny parts, but then it just gets sad. And he's like, man, it ain't going to get no more sad than this. They're like, hold my beer. Watch this. And like the very last episode down to the very last second before the credits hit, like it fucks you up. Anyway, both of you are fathers of daughters and you might want to pass on it. Okay. Yeah, well, actually, for fathers of daughters to watch, maybe uh, Jack Ryan. I, w- I would recommend that one. I just finished the last season of uh, Jack Ryan, and uh, I think it's the best season so far. I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling anything because, you know, the nature of that kind of show. But this season really, really turned out good. It's it's good. All right, I'm, I'm going to go back to you saying don't watch it. You guys both know me very well. You tell me not to do something. What am I going to do? Hey, the stove's on. Do me a favor. Don't put your hand on it. Guess what? I'm going to burn myself. Yeah. Yeah. So guess what? I'll be watching that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll start probably tonight. Get the first episode in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the first episode's not that bad. <laughs> like I said, the first two to three you know, it's ups and downs, but like you remember playing the Oregon Trail as a kid and you didn't understand it, but then like as you become like a teenager and into an adult, it's like, man, that game is deep. They put it on film. I've never played the game. Yeah, I mean, didn't even know that there was a game called Oregon Trail, to be honest. The only reason I knew there was is because that kid on the beginning of uh, The Princess Bride is playing it. I can't tell you how many times I died of dysentery. <laughs> yeah, I think he died of dysentery. That's the scene. It's like a go-to. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you have died of dysentery. I'm like, awesome. What's that? And then you grow up and it's like, you basically shit yourself to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, anyway. It's 90s. better than syphilis. Uh, that reminds me of Friends. Yeah. When Joey caught that one gig where he was a, an actor in like the commercial for syphilis and they put his poster all over the city and like he's kind of a playboy now no none of the girls want to date him because he's got syphilis but he doesn't really have syphilis he's an actor he just plays he was yeah plays the guy i'm not i'm not the president i just play one on tv yeah. <laughs> so anyway 90s we're talking about 90s that does that pretty much put a wrap up on the the '90s movies? We've kind of picked our 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 best of, and we can probably have this conversation a week from now. And our top fives plus two would possibly change. I don't, my number one won't change. Tombstone's my number one. Yeah, you just like Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. Yep. Hey, right, just my game. Yep. Mr. Ringo here's an educated man. Now I really hate him. <laughs> Val Kilmer at his best, man. Yeah, Val, Val Kilmer, it's, uh, I saw that documentary about him. It's kind of sad how his, uh, you know, how his career went. I heard he was tough to work with, too, though. Oh, you're talking about that one on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. I watched, I think I got halfway into it. It's pretty deep. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he lost his voice box now, but he. Well, he pretty much sounds like this. He sounds like Lenny the Pimp. Yeah, he should get one of those electronic uh, voice boxes. That might be. A I feel bit. bad for him because, like, yeah. it's part of the reason I chose to quit dipping because it's like I'm looking at that. It's like that could be me. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, you could live a clean life and it still could be you. I mean, that's... Yeah, he didn't dip. Yeah. Think about it. George Burns, how long did he live to and he smoked cigars like a chimney? Yep. And then his buddy Johnny Carson, he smoked too, but uh, he didn't He didn't last as long. I didn't know Johnny Carson smoked. Oh, yeah. He smoked a lot. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, reel it back in. 90s let's finish up our our this is part two of our 90s episode thanks for joining us um i want to talk about music of the 90s so when i think about music of the 90s i think about kind of the alternative grunge era kicking off i think a lot of people want to go to nirvana as like the godfather of like the grunge era i'm a little bit different i tend to look at like pearl jam and offspring like, those are two of my favorites. Um, you know, as far as, like, that grunge, like, almost like Northwest, you know, Pacific North, Northwest um, alternative grunge style. Like, there was a lot of that. But then, like, as you got later into the 90s, like, like hip-hop and, like, boy bands and, you know, I call it teeny bop music. Yeah. Got that, real popular. I hated that, except for... Like the Hanson Brothers and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't mm-bop. like... Didn't care for the Hansons. Yeah. Backstreet Boys in sync I didn't mind. 98 degrees like they probably had a couple decent songs. But like you know it was like the you know towards the end of the 90s it was like the era of the boy bands or you know like two or three women who were just angry about things that just wanted to sing about it. Yeah, I think Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch was uh still going strong back then, wasn't it? Well, it was early 90s, was it not? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, we brought this up in our last episode. It was just me and Sean. Um, accidentally, I was talking about wrestling, and I brought up NWA. But, like, you think of, like, West Coast rap. Probably the greatest genre of rap that there was. And, like, you can't compare it to anything that's on there today. Was that early 90s, or was that, like, late 80s? I'm the wrong guy to ask about rap. I I was definitely in the alternative scene in the 90s, so... My wife listened to all that stuff, and if she was here, she could probably school us both. But uh, as far I have a feeling Sean's going to have an answer for us here in about 12, 13, maybe 15 seconds. 1991. 1991, early 90s. Yeah. So here's what I remember. But go ahead. So NWA, they, they started in 87, but it really became popular in the 90s. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, Easy, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, MC Ren, you got Yella, the DOC. Those, that was amazing, amazing music at the time. So I don't know. I'm, I don't have any more to say. They're awesome. But like, so like, you know, 91, like, how old were you in 91? You were born in 75. Yeah. So 10. 15, so like, you know, 16, 17 years old, like when these guys are getting popular. So you're roughly the same age as my brother. I think he's got a year on you. So I remember 
you know, again, like 91, 92, I'm like 11, 12 years old. Remember riding around town with him in his car. <laughs> he had a couple different cars, like, you know, when he first started driving. And, like, he was big into, you know, like, the sound system. You know, lots of bass, you know, treble, you know, real low, bass real high. Um, and he listened to, like, a lot of NWA, Two Live Crew. And so from, like, a, I call it a, a gangsta rap from, from that genre, it was that. But, like, he was so diverse in, in music. Like, a lot of the stuff from the 80s was still popular in the 90s. So I remember, like, my 90s memories, like, especially early 90s. NWA, Two Live Crew, um, Credence Clearwater, The Eagles. You know, a lot of things like that that floated over from the 80s. And then when he, he actually moved out of California... Um, he went with my dad to Tennessee and so it was just me and my mom left in California and that's when I got into like a lot of the you know the very first Metallica I ever heard was their Black album and like a lot of Metallica's best stuff was done well before Black but yeah I, in, in my opinion the Black albums when they died but I I get a lot of crap for saying that um, because I feel like that's when they sold out that's when they cut their hair because I'm a huge fan of Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. And uh, those those albums are just impossible for any guitarist to learn, it feels like to me. And then when the Black Album came out, they really kind of dumbed it down for the general public, in my opinion. But, but uh, it made them explode in popularity. Before that, they were just kind of had a cult following. So. Well, they were a garage band that made it big. Yeah, and I've, then it I've turned heard into the ever the never ending hunt for a bass player. Yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty sad what happened to their bass player in Sweden over there. But uh, they, um, yeah, that, in my opinion, they they never really got that that uh, when the whole Napster conspiracy was going on, everyone was trying to shut down um, uh, downloading music for free and stuff. Um, they were kind of the most outspoken people against well, it. Lars was. Yeah, Lars. But uh, I, I think it's like there's two Metallicas. There's Metallica, you know, black and before, and then there's Metallica black and after. I love them both. I, I've started to warm up to the the past, the the after the black album, just because they they still have a lot of talent. They really are a great band but uh but i i it just bothered me at the time because uh you know i was kind of watching the whole thing unfold and bb king was quoted as saying i don't care how you get my music but play it and play it loud and metallica was saying pay me my money sucker and i didn't like that you know and it wasn't metallica as you pointed out it was lars but before that i was a huge fan of lars so I still am a huge fan of Lars, and I don't. I'm, I'm. I know the majority of people they kind of shit on Lars because like everybody loved downloading you know music for free on Napster, but like if you look at it from their perspective, I mean that's their livelihood, you know, supply and demand. Yeah, they've got millions of dollars, but you know what? People are willing to pay that. Yeah. And so if he can, you know, make it, you know, 
I don't know how to word it without sounding political, but it's almost like, you know, you've got like, you know, somebody in, you know, in Washington saying you need to pay your fair share, like, you know, rather than having like a, say like a flat tax, I tend to, you know, believe like, you know, I don't care if you're a millionaire or multimillionaire, billionaire or poverty driven. It's like everybody pays their fair share. You know, you pay a percentage of what you make just because so-and-so makes, you know, a trillion dollars more than I do. Why should his percentage be different than mine? Because his percentage is going to be more than what I pay. So that to me is a fair share. Well, but in uh, from what I've heard, and uh, you know, I've never been in the music business. I've never been a paid musician. I wish I could have, but uh, from the way I understand it, is um, musicians don't make any money off of sales of their albums. The they make a little bit a small cut of it, but the record companies are the ones getting rich on that. The ones who really get rich, or the the way they really make their money is by playing shows. So if you like a band, go support them and go see their shows. It's why I drove to L.A. last week so I could see the Delvon Lamar organ trio, and they canceled the show on me, which was disappointing. But um, I I want to support the music that I love because. I know that they're going to get more money for me showing up to their shows than me buying their albums, which I bought their album too. In this day and age, everyone just streams on Spotify, but I bought their album because I like what they're doing. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, if you like an artist, support them by showing up. That's the best thing you can do. Well, there's nothing like live music too. I mean, yeah. You go to a concert and you're going for an experience. In my opinion, it's worth the money. So, I agree with you. Yeah. So, um, we're still on 90s. Um, I do want to talk about Frontman later, but, like, here's an example. Like, I was a big fan. Like, my my musical taste spread across all the genres. Um, Garth Brooks, one of my favorites. I loved his, um, you know, his cassettes, and then when they transitioned to CDs, I loved his CDs, I loved his concerts, and I saw him in concert. I saw him in L.A. at the Forum. So I got to experience Garth Brooks on every facet, and I loved him every step of the way. Probably my favorite grunge band, without questions, Pearl Jam. I never got an opportunity to see Pearl Jam in concert. Steph got an opportunity to see Pearl Jam, I think, at the United Center, maybe? Mm-hmm. Said it was a great concert. Metallica's another one. I never got to see them live. Sean here, he's seen them, you know, at least one time, and he's going again this year. Seen twice. Yeah, he's seen them twice. I saw them before the Black Album came out, but uh, after that, their tickets got pretty expensive. And uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to run a giant stadium. I mean, I guess that makes sense. So, you know, when you were talking about. Once a black album came out, you said that you felt that they sold out. You, you feel the same way with Green Day? The second Green Day got a contract, they sold out? <laughs> well, no, they Metallica had a record contract before that. The reason no, I, I think I'm just I'm just mentioning because Green Day had a huge underground following, right? And then the second they signed a contract, all, all those people that were fans were like, "Oh, Green Day sold out." Yeah. So the the, my favorite band that I could say with 100% assurity that they never sold out is a 90s band called Fugazi. And nobody's ever heard of them, but they refused to ever sell a concert ticket for more than $5. 
and they're good. Their bassist is good. They're they're a good punk band. But uh, Green Day, I discovered them after they sold out, and I I like how their music changed throughout time. And I don't think it it was the record company steering that. And that's the main reason that I don't that I feel like somebody sells out. Like if I would compare it to an American Idol, if you look at the very first episode in the season of American Idol and you go pick your favorite musician in there by the end of the season, they sound totally different. And that's selling out in my opinion, they're doing it because they're cooperating with their, their producer who's telling them what they need to do to become famous. And it's no longer a true art. And that's what I like. I like the raw stuff where you, I mean, you might get some wrong notes in there and uh, it doesn't sound over very produced. It doesn't sound, um, but it's, uh, it's the true art and that's, that's what I appreciate. So well, you really liked Star Search. <laughs> yeah. Star Search was the true. No, I, I, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in, in a lot of people use the term sold out and a lot of people, when I say people, I mean, bands, musicians, what have you. I mean, I guess a lot of them would, but I try to put myself in that position. Like, okay, here I am. I'm playing coffee shops. I'm playing, you know, podunk bars Here's an opportunity I have to play hockey arenas or football stadiums. I mean, I have a hard time saying I wouldn't sell out. If people are going to buy my ticket at $250 a pop versus me selling them for $10 a pop, I'm going to take the $250 a pop. Because to me, it's like, yeah, I'm a music fan, but I'm also, you know, like kind of a businessman and I want to live comfortably. So I, I understand it. So like, you know, to other people, you know, I've never heard of the band you just mentioned, but there's some people like they're not in it for money. Yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's a passion project. And I'm okay with that too. I'm not saying, yeah, hey, you know, if you go do this, you can go sell your tickets for a hundred dollars piece. I don't really give a shit. I think it's, you know, it, it, it depends on the person. I have no problem with Metallica making the money that they made. Um, I'm happy they finally settled on a bassist because that was a, fuck nut of a show so what what you just did is you you basically described the difference between a capitalist and an artist and that's that's really what it is like a lot of the uh, arguably the best artists never really got discovered until after they were dead like van gogh he was like he never he was never rich he was dirt poor his whole life so uh I think uh, I think he was a true artist, but it maybe he could have made more money if he would have just played ball a little bit. But uh, an artist can't really do that. It, it's it's not a way to be inspired. Inspiration. He's probably flipping, you know, somersaults and backflips and hangers in his grave, knowing what his stuff is selling for. Yeah, yeah. How much heroin he could have bought with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, let's go to Metallica talking about their bassist, right? So their first bassist was Ron McGovern. He was in 1982. A lot of people think Cliff was the first. Cliff's the one that ended up getting into that accident and died in 1986. <clears throat> but they actually, they had Jason Newstead for quite some time. And Jason was, he was decent. He wasn't great, but he was decent. 
But he thought he was better, and that's why he ended up leaving. And he ended up starting off on his own gig. Um, so I can't, you can't fault Metallica for him having an inflamed ego. He went to Megadeth, right? No, he started his own, his own band. Which one went to Megadeth? I'm not too sure. I don't know. But I mean, I, I, I think that that's, that's why Kurt Cobain kind of went the, and obviously there's no way I could know, but I would speculate that he was getting a lot of pressure from the record companies to do their thing. And he just wasn't happy doing it. And his music was inspired. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not technically the best guitar you can find. You can, I mean, there, there are guitarists who know every ionic and pentatonic scale out there, but, but, uh, he wasn't that guy, but his music was, it had that X factor that most people can't do. And, uh, he just didn't want to punch in on the time clock every day. And, uh, he just got tired of it. Started feeling like work to him instead of play, which is, you should be playing music. So. All right. Well, so talking about nineties, you know, we can probably spend an entire episode talking about like Metallica you know, he mentioned Green Day, you know, there's Green Day, you know, Dookie and before, and there's Green Day after Dookie. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Pearl Jam. So, that, like, you know, I think I also mentioned Offspring. Yeah, I, I went to their concert, too. I was actually, um, they, I think they filmed a music video at the concert I was at. I wasn't in it, though. I tried to see myself. But, uh. I was I was in the mosh pit. That was a pretty harsh mosh pit, and they they had uh, this band opening up for him that spit on the crowd and everything, and just got everyone pissed off. I think they wanted that mosh pit to be mean, but um, for the music video. But I I didn't want to skip over. Um, you you mentioned you really like Pearl Jam, but uh, there's there's that side project, the Temple of the Dog, with uh, Cornell. Yeah, loved it. And that's that's what I didn't want to pass over is that Soundgarden and uh, Temple of the Dog and all the stuff that Chris Cornell touched. Speaking of frontmen, um, that guy was inspired, and I I don't think he ever stopped making music. Even when he was making money, his music is just phenomenal. Yeah, because like he did uh, Temple of the Dog. Um, I know we're getting out of the '90s, but there was Audio Slave. Yeah. Um, that was still late nineties. You know, I, I love Cornell, I think. but you know, it's like you always, you know, you, you take a good band and you take like one instrumental piece out of it and you think, okay, well it's dead. You know, I'm going to rapid fire some of my favorites from the nineties. Just spit it out there. No genre in particular. Um, NWA, Pearl Jam, Garth Brooks, um, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Offspring. Let's uh, let's tackle Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder actually separated himself from Pearl Jam, and he was basically just playing a ukulele on a stage before they rejoined with Pearl Jam. And like, if I'm not mistaken, Sean, you might know this. Pearl Jam. They basically just they play Wrigley every now and again, right? They they don't really tour. The, yeah, Eddie Vedder does. Hey, like, what happened to Rapid festivals. Fire? I, I got I I, I, that, <laughs> I know that happens, you, you really like Pearl Jam and I I, I get it they, they are really the good Pearl Jam Eagles man Eagles were still making music in the nineties yeah. George Strait 
I didn't know I liked the Eagles until I saw the Hell Freezes Over video and how clean that uh, recording was. I I became a fan then. Well, that talk about Don Henley, and we're talking about frontmen a little bit. You know, yeah. I can wait a few minutes on this, but I'm going to say it now. Listen to a cassette tape, listen to a vinyl, listen to a CD, stream it on Apple, Spotify, whatever. You listen to an Eagles song, and then you go to their concert, or you watch their concert on television. You, there's like Don Henley is the utmost perfectionist. There yeah. is no difference in how he sounds. And I don't know if anybody in the history of music has been as that crisp as Don Henley. I actually got I'll, made fun of because I like Don Henley back I'll in the 90s. Differ. I saw America in concert, exact same. Like, same thing. I mean, I think a lot of the old bands, you know, you can go and watch The Who and same thing. You know, they'll play a concert and they sound absolutely amazing. But I think that's the difference. Like, today, you know, you get Post Malone without an auto-tune and you, um, you're not hearing the same thing. Nope. You know what I mean? Actually, probably half the bands today, they're using auto-tune or something like that. So, I think there's a true art to music back you know, in like the 70s, 80s, early 90s, you know what I mean? They're they're actually singing from within. They're not they're not playing with auto tune or using other things to make them sound different. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and also there there has to be a little bit extra in the uh, in the concert. You can't just go and hear the songs played exactly note for note how they are on the album. I I, I want a little bit extra. I want some. Um, new solos and stuff I saw Page and Plant play together Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and I thought it was going to be like the the video the song remains the same but they played it note for note how their album is and I uh, it was it was done very well but I was a little disappointed I wanted that little extra bit so I'm, I'm curious Chris you never once mentioned Smashing Pumpkins yeah I was They're on my rapid fire list Okay. Yeah. I was actually going to do a segue to that, but somehow I ended up on Page and Plant. No, I, I love Smashing Pumpkins. So I got my rapid fire list right here. You know, on it, it's an honorable mention, but they're on it. Nirvana. I'm not as big of a Nirvana fan as I think most people are. I have a little thing about that. I did not like Nirvana at all. It wasn't until they went on, what, what's that acoustic Unplugged. Version? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Unplugged. Unplugged is when I became a fan because that's when I learned... A lot of bands go on unplugged, and when they go on there, they'll screw up, and then they stop. Well, stop filming, stop taping. We're going to start the song over. And Kurt Cobain was like, no, no, no. We're, we're just going to keep rolling. If I make a mistake, we're going to roll through the mistake, and we're going to keep going. And so his whole thing was literally the whole concert. They never stopped because of a mistake. They just kept rolling through it. And to me, that's a true professional. And he he earned my respect at that point and made me go, damn, this guy's actually, he's the real deal. Yeah. MTV unplugged. That's my favorite Nirvana stuff. I like it more than nevermind. I like it more than anything they've done. Like they weren't around that long, you know, but, um, yeah, the MTV unplugged stuff. So rapid fire. Wait, 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 uh, before we get away from unplugged, I want to mention that, uh, it was also one of my favorite things and I was really missing it. And uh, you should go check on, on YouTube uh, Tiny Desk Concerts. They have pretty much uh, just endless 
videos of your favorite people doing an acoustic show in a small desk in in uh, uh yeah check it out it's okay rapid fire yeah here we go so i've got um nirvana green day smashing pumpkins you're gonna see a theme to my list uh red hot chili peppers pearl jam um radiohead Soundgarden, weezer blink 182 alice in chains uh guns and roses nine inch nails rage against the machine I actually have U2 on here. There's, I like some of their stuff more than others. I know they're pre-90s and post-90s. I love U2. They're great. But I don't like their disco stuff. Right. Um, Offspring, Metallica, Stone Temple Pilots, Cranberries, um, yeah. No Doubt, Corn, Jane's Addiction, Aerosmith. Uh, let's see. Who else did I have? I had Bush on here. And Sublime. Have you That's seen, my rapid fire list. Have you seen uh, The Gift? Um, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction made a movie. Yeah, it's worth checking out. So, no Skid Row? No. <laughs> that, I think, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure he'll let me know. I think Skid Row was probably on Michael's list, my brother. Um, one of our, you know, he listens to every show. Um He'll at least start every show. There's been, you know, one or two shows he may have stopped. <laughs> we'll leave that uh, to mystery. But, uh, you know, I think, um, what, what are they called? Ellie Guns? Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably make his rapid fire list. He's, I was more of the movies guy. He was always the music guy. But there's a lot of stuff, like, there, there's probably a lot of respect that I'm not giving to certain bands that he would probably have given. Um, I think L.A. Guns being one of those. What about Bush? I had Bush on mine. Oh, maybe you screamed. Uh, yeah, yeah, you went past it too fast. Yeah, I rapid fired, man. But what about Blind Melon? Did was that in your list? No, no. Blind Melon, that band, everyone in that band is just tight. It's really sad that when the the lead singer died, they just stopped. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I don't. They probably wouldn't have even made my radar. If you hadn't have said anything, I probably wouldn't have brought them up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that band. I, I like a lot of their deep tracks. Their their uh their music's is uh yeah, just what I like. It's it's complex. Well, you notice NWA was the only, you know, rap group that made my list, but like every member in the NWA, I think by proxy should make the list. Tribe called Quest? Not really? Oh yeah. No, Tribe called called Quest was awesome. Yeah. So I have, I do have a list as well, and mine's Nirvana, Green Day, Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Radiohead, Weezer, Foo Fighters, Alice in Chains, um, Oasis, Blink 182, Nine Inch Nails, Guns N' Roses, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Stone Temple Pilots, U2, Offspring, Cranberries, No Doubt, Metallica, um, Aerosmith, Sonic Youth, my God. I don't know how Sonic Youth got left out of yours. I don't um, know either. Now that you mentioned it, seriously, uh, Pantera, Faith No More, Corn, um, Garbage, Counting Crows, The Verve, uh, Black Crows, Bush, uh, Goo Goo Dolls. I mean, they had some amazing classics in there. Um, Tool, Flaming Lips, Sublime, Bon Jovi, uh, Incubus, Blind Melon, Silverchair, Incubus. Yeah, Incubus. Uh, they, they, I missed them too. Um, Hole was pretty good. Matchbox 20, Lemon, Lemonheads. I mean, those were a lot of the 90s bands that really kind of 
shaped my music for that decade. I left Motorhead off. Yeah, Motorhead too. But yeah, he mentioned Sonic Flood, especially late nineties, like Sonic Youth. Sonic well, I I know him as Sonic Flood. But Sonic Youth, yeah. Um here's a here's one that may throw you guys off. DC Talk. Never heard of them. They were yeah. a Christian kind of like a grunge rap rock hybrid mix. Hey, did did you guys say the Beastie Boys? Fuck's sake. Cause that's oh man. I I and they I would Love say they're, the Beastie Boys. Their music changed drastically and no sign of selling out on their part ever. They're the most uh, true musicians, true artists. I love the Beastie Boys. But if we if we go on the rap, there is a lot. There's Wu Tang, Tribe Called Quest, Public Enemy. Public Enemy's up there for me. Yeah. Um, Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos is probably my favorite song that they've ever done. But the Roots, like you said, Beastie Boys, NWA, Outcasts. You got the Fugees, Cypress Hill, Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, Naughty by Nature, Ghetto Boys, Three Six Mafia, Digital Underground. Uh, Run DMC, uh, there's a few, uh, De La Soul, I, I mean, I know they only had a couple songs, but De La Soul was pretty good. I, I didn't like them until my wife introduced me to them, now, now I have to. You got Salt and Pepper. Yeah, um, they're good. The Poor Righteous Teachers, my God, they were like, I think they were around for less than 10 years, but they were pretty damn good. Um, Lost Boys, House of Pain, um... Helta Skelta, crisscross. Crisscross will make you. Which is kind of ironic because there's. Crisscross will make you jump. Because there's crisscross and then there's Christopher Cross. Yeah. Very different music. Um, you know, I I think um you guys kind of touched on all through my list. I, I like all of as you were rapid firing. I was kind of throwing in a few that I thought should be in your list. And it sounds like we both, we all kind of like the same music, but I didn't hear anyone mention Candlebox. I really like them a lot. Love Candlebox. Yeah, Candlebox was yeah. good. I, Candlebox. I was, I was going to go back to the rap and just say, you know, we got Snoop and Eminem back in the 90s too. Yeah, I was... I, 90s on him. I never liked Candlebox rap. Candlebox was one of Steph's favorites. And I listened to them. I liked them, especially that, you know, initial album. Yeah. But it wasn't probably until about maybe five years ago we got into a little bit of like it was even beyond that. I think it, we were still living in California. Um, we would visit Arizona often, and so we would make it a point to do playlist. Mm -hmm. And so on Steph's playlist was there's probably like twelve Candlebox songs. She liked Candlebox. She liked Pearl Jam. Um, she had new kids on the block on her list. Wow. So yeah, she would uh, she would have her playlist, and one thing that was consistent on my playlist, every playlist I had Eagles, Pearl Jam, Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, every playlist. I love the Beastie Boys. She wasn't as big on a lot of the Beastie Boys, um, but she loved Pearl Jam. So when we we did a road trip, God man, like a year. A little over a year ago, I guess. And I'm talking about me and Sean, pronouns pal. Like, you look at the playlist that he and I put together, because we would take turns. Whoever was driving, shotgun, 
was in charge of music. Right. And like a lot of our stuff is the same, but every now and again, like one of us would throw something out there that the other didn't think of. And one song that I forgot about from the nineties, it was just like, how did I forget about that? Hey man, nice shot. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And I'm like, how did I forget about that? And he was just over there playing it. And I'm like, that's a good freaking song. <laughs> yeah. Actually he's, I've been in his car where he's, he's had, uh, uh, Counting Crows playing and stuff that, that I've forgotten about. And I'll go add it to my playlists after that because I, I remember how good it was. So, But um, one thing I think we missed was uh, the Black Crows. I absolutely love the, the cadence of that... Um, uh, oh, shoot, what's the song they played? Uh, I can't remember it. Ain't nobody talked about Nora Jones yet either. Yeah, that was that 90s? I thought that was at around 2000. I thought it was around late 90s, but okay. No, it's, it was after 2000. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, and speaking of Nora Jones, she's done some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, uh, with uh, Billy, Joe. Billy Joe Armstrong, they made a, an album together, a whole album of uh, like gunslinger ballads, which is out of character for both of them, but... Um, I don't know. I've I've tried to listen to it a few times, and I, I I'll enjoy one or two songs, but I can't listen to the whole album. I listened to it. I thought it was actually really good because their voice really harmonized together very well. Yeah, which is very surprising. I didn't. I would have never put the two together. Yeah, she did something with Outcast too. All right, let's see if we can attempt to do something here. No, you know. What what do we call them? No honorable mentions. If you had to narrow it down, and I'm talking just strictly '90s, not somebody from the '80s that rolled into the '90s, and not somebody who just kind of barely touched the '90s, like Kid Rock, because he got real big in '99 with that Woodstock concert. So like you know, people got big like late '90s, and you know, were really 2000s. Hey Griffey, if you can just stick with the '90s, come up with maybe a top five. Hmm. And I know it's short notice, but I mean, I'll go first. I would probably have to put Garth Brooks as my number one. Probably put uh, Metallica number two, Pearl Jam number three. And this is where it's going to get difficult because this is where I'm probably going to hurt my own feelings. So I've got Garth <laughs> Brooks, Metallica, Pearl Jam. I'm going to toss in the Eagles and, well, no, because the Eagles, Eagles were rolled before in. then. So I could, yeah. fuck. Um, Rage Against the Machine. And I, I have to stop at four because I don't know who I'd put as the fifth, so I'm going to stop at four. No Beastie Boys? Beastie Boys were in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I guess they did roll in. Yeah. Uh, am I next or you? I can't do it. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I just can't do it. I mean, there's so many, so many artists to, to pick four or five as a top. I. I, I can't. That to me that's damn near impossible. It's like trying to say which is your favorite kid. I got nine. I don't have a favorite. I right. love them all. It, it is an impossible question. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, because I I feel like I I would walk away from this conversation and turn on the radio or something and hear hear a song that reminds me of somebody I missed. 
but um, but you know I mentioned uh, uh, Chris Cornell and I would lump all of his stuff together but you know maybe the early Soundgarden stuff kind of like Metallica um, the early stuff is hard hardcore stuff like uh, there's a song called Jesus Christ Pose that's just amazing it's it's a, a good pissed off song when you're mad but um, you know I I, you know, I like the guitar stuff. Uh, I like the Black Crows, and I like the... Um, you know, by my own criteria, Metallica can't make my list because they've been around since the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, and I... Actually, I I wouldn't put them in my top five even. Even though they're incredible musicians, I, uh, it's it's hard for me to pick favorites. It's uh, Yeah. Okay, so you said Lump, and the first thing I think of is... United States, uh, the presidents of the United States of America, oh, lump, yeah. yeah, 1995. Yeah, I had to look it up because I just wanted to make sure. But you know, you said lump, and I was like, oh man, that's another band, the presidents of the United States of America. Yep. Um, oh, what's the one? Uh, uh, there's a band called Dada that I would put in there because they have a song called Disneyland that I really like. Um, but that's always my thing. I always try to find the weird, obscure thing that nobody knows about and try to introduce people. And I don't think very many people really want to be introduced to new old music. But Well, I'm a little disappointed that my top five has really turned into three. I've got Garth Brooks, I've got Pearl Jam, and I've got Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, because Metallica's technically they they started in the '80s. I wasn't introduced to them till like '91, '92. When did Black come out? '92, I think so. I think it was early, maybe '94. No, I wasn't that late. It was early '92. So I'm I'm gonna disagree with your comment that people don't want to be introduced to generally speaking. Because well, I mean, like I I look at my kids and. I'm actually really impressed with the music that my kids listen to. So some of them, like my oldest daughter listens to today's music, right? And some of the rap and stuff, which I I can't get into because it's not the same. But like my 18-year-old son, he listens to a lot of 70s, 80s, 90s music. And I mean, he loves it. And so I'm noticing like my five younger girls are even following in that as well. Like they, they like the older music as opposed to the stuff that's sang today. So, I mean, I know I play it a lot. Um, and it's kind of funny because I remember driving around when I was a kid, listening to my dad singing oldies. Well, I called them oldies, you know, like Steppenwolf and, um, oh, what were some of the other ones? But I would listen to him and I'd be like, oh man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen to old songs. I'm going to be, you know, listening to the same music my kids listen to. But it's kind of funny because they're listening to my music from when I grew up. So I kind of, I like that. And they like to be introduced to some of the songs because there's some of them they are like, wait, who is that? And then next thing you know, it's on their Spotify. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I should say the reason I said that is that um, I, I don't even remember where I saw it. It's probably Facebook with all their fake facts. But it, uh, it said that um, on, on, in general, most people stop finding 
new music that they like after they're 30 years old or some, something like that. I don't remember the exact statistic, but, but you know, I've, I've experienced that too. I was, uh, I was giving my, my wife's nephew a ride to get a haircut he's 17 years old and I was in my car and I just kept fast forwarding through all the songs I thought he didn't like. And I got to, uh, the Pixies, where is my mind? And he went, Whoa, wait, get back to that one. I like that song. And so, yeah, young kids are, they like some pretty cool music, but. Well, so my, my daughter, Brianna, she turned 21 last September. And for her birthday, what she wanted is she wanted me to take her to Disneyland. So she can do, in Florida, they call it drinks around the world. In California, it's something different. Um, you do it on the California Adventure site. It's like a California farmer's market type thing. But they got like a beer cart. They got like a craft cocktails cart, margarita truck, all these different things. That's what she wanted. So we did a road trip. Um, me, uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Nicole, and one of her friends, we drove out there, you know, like ahead of the pack. And then, you know, we did the Disneyland thing with Brianna and like Steph, she came out later. Point being is Nicole's never driven like, you know, long distance. She's always like just driven you know, like to school, to work, to the grocery store, to a friend's house. So I was like, I tell you what, you can drive most of the way. Let me get you out of downtown and you can drive to the desert and when we get to Palm Springs, we'll swap. So from, I would say, Avondale to Palm Springs, she drove. I rode in the back, her and her friends sat in the front and they were in charge of the music. She picked a playlist and that's one of the things I dreaded was the music because the music today sucks. <laughs> I, I just thought it was just going to be like just a shit fest. But like she had some good music on there and it surprised me. And, you know, this could have been a political move on her part. <laughs> but I looked up and like the Eagles were playing. And, you know, she had some of her what I call bad music playing as well. She had a lot of good music on there. There was... um like I said, there was like two or three Eagles songs. There was some good country music. I say good country music. There's a lot of bad country music on there. Uh, there was some Aerosmith on there. There was some Guns N' Roses on there. Like, there was some good music. I think there was a Sublime song on there. There's no Metallica. And there's oh, yeah, no nobody, Pearl Jam. Nobody mentioned Sublime or 311 in our list. I mentioned Sublime. I didn't mention 311 because I think people are either Rage Against the Machine or 311. I don't oh. think there's anybody who's a fan of both. Maybe you and Sean yeah. <laughs> but like a lot of people if you love Rage you hate 311 or vice versa hmm. well, I don't know 311 uh, Amber right wasn't Amber yeah. 311 yeah. so I mean I actually kind of categorize them with um, Sublime 311 and Sublime are kind of one and the same in my eyes yeah I get them mixed up actually like Sublime like a lot of people like They'll throw these, you know, the obvious songs out there as their favorite. You know, whether it be Santorium or whether it be the, I call it the dirty song. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite Sublime song, period, not even a close debate, is Bad Fish. Is that the one where they describe where they got all their uh, musical instruments? Are you a bad fish too? No, that's 19... 19- yeah, the year of the the year of the riots. Yeah, because they they literally looted a music store and got all their music instruments, and yeah. that's how the band was 
was made a, I, or according to the song, but right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the '90s was an interesting time, huh? Actually. Actually. Actually, why don't we do this? So, um, I believe. Let me see if I have it. So, Rolling Stone. Since we're talking about music, love the Rolling Stones. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the Rolling Stones. We're talking about the magazine Rolling Stone. So the Rolling Stone came out with top fifty artists of the nineties. Okay, but we'll just do the top ten. Right. Okay. So I'll go. I'll go to top ten. Number ten. TLC. No scrubs. They probably belong there. weren't one of my favorites, but they belong yeah, there. That's on my wife's list. Number nine, Liz Fair. Wow. Liz? Liz Fair. Hmm. I don't think they belong on there, but... So number eight, I've never heard of them. Pulp. Never heard of them. Sounds familiar, but I the can't... Song, uh, the song that they're saying on this is called Common People. It was 1995. Jarvis hmm. Cocker... More soul and swagger. I don't know. Pulp. Never heard of them. Hmm. So number seven, Missy Elliott. Misdemeanor. I'm seeing a theme with this list. (laughs) You think it's a woman that wrote it? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, let's see. Number six is Pavement. No. Having a clue. Uh, Number five. All right. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Fair. Okay. Nothing but a G thing. Mm. Okay, so uh, number four, Bikini Kill. What? Yeah. Dude, are you sure this is Rolling Stone? These ain't the same Look, fuckers put, that put your, your put your glasses back on. What does that say at the top? Rolling Stone. Wow. So, yeah. Um, number three, Notorious B.I.G. with Mason Puff Daddy. More money, more problems. Fair. All right. That's, that's all right. Number two, Black Street, No Diggity. No. <laughs> and so number they were better than Tupac? Number one, Nirvana. Smells like teen spirit. Because so, he died. No, I wouldn't say because he died, but No, he really did have something. I mean, yeah. it's it's like I was saying, like to be you don't have to know all the scales, all the all the technique to be as great as he was and, and I can't say what he had, but But I mean don't it. you think that a lot of these because like here's the thing, he picked out the eighties movies list and it was absolute garbage i picked out the 90s movie list by the same people that he got his 80s from absolute garbage so now i'm looking at this list rolling stone it's almost like they purposefully leave out certain bands because they don't want to be mainstream that's what it feels like well, but I mean, if, if somebody gave you a job writing for Rolling Stones magazine and you, uh, you had to pick your favorite songs, do you think there would be anyone who'd be, who, who would think is bullshit that you skipped over No Diggity or whatever? I'm going to be you authentic know? and I'm going to be realistic. That's you, not a realistic list. You'd write your opinion just like they do. It's for entertainment. And, uh, you know, I, my opinion's pretty different than that list, too. Yeah, that one was just, that. That's a head scratcher of a list right there. Yeah. But you know, again, I, th- I think that particular author, 
Because, you know, here's one thing that's fair is one thing I mentioned and I did not mention in my rapid fire is I failed to have, you know, Biggie on there. I didn't have Tupac on there. One of my favorite hip hop songs was California Love. Why didn't he make my rapid fire list? So, I mean, it's, you know, we're doing this cold on purpose, but at the same time, it leaves room for error. Yeah. Well, here's what cracks me up. Let me just do from 20 to 10. Oh, boy. Beck. Okay, I mean, he just passed. I mean, Whitney Houston. Okay. Garbage. Ugh. No, that's garbage that they're on there. Garbage is okay. Uh, Beastie Boys. I mean, this is from 20 to 10, right? At least they made the list. Get in close to the mic when you talk. (laughs) Yes, sir, Mr. Executive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've never heard these guys. Uh, Skeetler Kinney? I have no freaking clue. Never heard of them. Outcast. That was 15. Okay. R.E.M. is 14. Um, Old Dirty Bastard, 13. (laughs) I'm sorry, but to me, this makes more sense as a top 10 than from 20 to 10. Yeah, their top 20 makes more sense than their top 10. The Breeders, I have no clue who the Breeders are. Or, oh, Hole. Hole could be number 50 as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Same. But, you know, if, if you give me the power to write that my list... I'd put in a whole bunch of weird stuff like the Reverend Horton Heat or Mojo Nixon. And everyone I tell those names to looks at me like, eh, who's that? Well, we I mentioned Garth Brooks. I think that was probably the only country artist that I had on there. But I loved country in the 90s. Yeah, but Reverend Horton Heat's good. I mean, and that's going same with like um, Brian Setzer, right? Yeah. Or what was that band he was in before? It was Brian Setzer or the Stray Cats? Yeah, the Stray Cats. Yeah, phenomenal. And, the, and the, then we're kind of getting a little bit out of the '90s, but but uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra was '90s, even yeah. though his band, the Stray Cats, was from the '80s. I believe the Mighty Mighty Boztones started around the '90s too. No, they were they were, were they 2000s. They were in the '80s, but they never really hit it big until what was the movie? I think they it was were in? Plaid. There's a plaid album. Yeah, there, there's a movie that um, uh, Alicia Silverstone is in where they were playing at her high school, and I'm just wishing to God I could have gone to that high school. Clueless? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Mighty Bostones were playing at her high school. That would have been, oh, man, I love the Bostones. All right, I'm calling an audible before we switch over to Frontman. Just pick a couple genres. And just kind of think of like, you know, one, two, three, no particular number, no particular order of some favorites. So if you had to go, let's just go rap. I'll go first. NWA, but I'm also going to separate and, you know, include the members like Dre, Snoop, you know, and then Tupac Snoop wasn't, wasn't a, a part of NWA. He was part of Death Row. I kind of consider all of them the same. So that's a fair point. He was... He was, NWA wasn't death row. Correct. Okay, so you're right on that one. That's but, tough for me because I I didn't really get into rap that much. I gangster rap was too heavy, man. I I'd rather sing about happiness and but I, I like my Biggie and Tupac homies. also. Yeah. Um, you didn't like rap, so we'll skip you on that, Sean. No, I got a rap. Definitely more of a rapper than the rest of us. Well, yeah, definitely NWA, Biggie, Tupac, um, Digital Underground, <laughs> Old Dirty Bastard. Um. Ah, uh, hold on, Ghetto Boys. My 
God. Three Six Mafia. Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. No, Beastie I thought Boys. I thought we were on front men though. Not yet. Oh, no, no, not yet. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I I did run through my list of rap earlier, but I mean, just going off the top of my head, those are probably the my top five or so. Okay, we're gonna skip grunge because this podcast will never end if mm-hmm. we go with grunge. Let's go with country. No, I I got my rap list. I got okay. the the Fresh Prince and <laughs> <laughs> and the Beastie Boys and, and, uh, and getting jiggy uh, with it. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know the Tribe Called Quest. You know, oh, <laughs> parents just don't understand, man. Why, why did you get go with get jiggy with it? That's a yeah. I think that was two thousands. Oh yeah, actually. Um, Jiggy with it was 2000. That had to be late 90s. No. No, I think parents uh-huh. just don't understand was 80s. Yeah. Oh. I think it might have been 80s. Uh, Here comes the Google. I don't have time to fact check it, but I'm pretty sure it was probably late 80s. Okay, what about the one that he did, um, Nightmare on My Street? Yeah, that was kind of when his that career... That was 2000s. Yeah, that was before the show, The Fresh Prince. 1997, getting jiggy with it. Hmm. There you go. But he kind of rolled in. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Country music. I'll go last on this one. Uh, From the 90s? Yeah. Well, I mean, how you can't go wrong with um, Garth Brooks. You you just can't. The guy was unbelievable. But George Strait's pretty good. And then uh, Alan Jackson... I don't know. I'm not a huge country guy. When my first job, I, all I did was listen to country because it was a little apple orchard and their little country store played nothing but country music. And I was like, kill me now. <laughs> but I mean, there were some decent songs. So I like Garth Brooks. Um, I know George Strait started well before the nineties. I wasn't introduced to him until the nineties. I loved George Strait, Clint Black, uh, Restless Heart, Vince Gill, Reba McIntyre, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw. Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, yeah. Some 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 good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama. How about you, Dan? Uh, my mom said, if you can't say anything nice. Don't um, say anything, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, maybe, is there Southern Rock something or other that, uh, maybe not from the I 90s. mean, I guess if you like Leonard Skinner, which I ironically mm. do not. No, I maybe the Eagles, but they're not 90s, I think. But that's about as close as I get to country music. Well, the funny thing is they're considered rock until now, and now a lot of people consider them kind of country. They do have a twang. They, you know... Okay, so that that brings us to Darius Rucker. I mean, he was Hootie. He was Hootie, right? And mm-hmm. then now he's country. So I mean, you can kind of move around. Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mama like a wagon he wheel. um. <laughs> well, it's like Shania Twain. She started out country, and then she ended up crossing over to pop, kind of like how uh, who's that annoying blonde tall Taylor chick? Swift. Taylor Swift. Yeah, mm-hmm. her same thing. You know, Shania Twain. Yeah, I, I forgot to put her in there. I, I how, don't like country though. How can you not That's love exactly. Shania back in the day? So here's something I have absolutely zero to contribute to, but I feel like you can give us some blues from the '90s. Well, from the '90s. Wow, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan died 
in '91, yep. I think. But um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, um, that's a tough one. Johnny Lang, uh, there's there's some good blues and Candlebox kind of was blues-ish, even though they're more rock and roll. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to narrow down blues from the '90s because um, blues never really has been mainstream. It's always been kind of, you know pushed out or I don't know if it's pushed out or if it's just but you can't play rock and roll without the blues so it's all mixed in right it's it's tough to separate it out well it's kind of like R&B is definition is rhythm and blues but you look at R&B in the 90s and I mean I think at the top of most people's list you're going to probably have like Beastie or not Beastie Boys um uh, what Boys to Men and like that, that that's pretty much your list <laughs> yeah well, I mean, Joe Bonamasso is one. Believe it or not, they they claim ZZ Top as blues, which yeah. kind of surprises me. But yeah, they're they're definitely on the blues end of the rock and roll spectrum. Yeah, you and you have the Almond Brothers band. I like them too. Um, what do you consider Creedence Clearwater? Is that Southern rock or is that rhythm and blues? That's Southern rock. I would say that's Southern rock. Yeah, that's but, Southern rock. Yeah. They even say the White Stripes would be considered blues, which, eh, that's pushing it in my eyes. Mm, yeah. But I I'm, I think, like, if you listen to Jimi Hendrix's blues album, there's not much from the 80s that gets in there. And, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, he's got some amazing blues stuff, but he kind of, he was 80s and kind of, well, he didn't make it that far into the 90s. But, uh it, it's it's kind of like Kurt Cobain to have to be able to play the blues, you have to have that thing that that uh, Kurt Cobain had that nobody can really say what it is. But and and I, I know I'm not even that big of a fan of his. I just know a lot of people get it. Like he's he's not the most technical musician, but he put a lot in a lot of uh, feeling into his music. Yeah. Well, I think we would be remiss if we did not wrap up the 90s music talk without some honorable mentions that are probably much more deserving than honorable mentions, but, like, we kind of went off on a tangent. But Kenny G, staple <laughs> of the 90s, Michael <laughs> Bolton, mm-hmm. Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, like, they were staples of the 90s. And if you have time, look up the Whirling Dervishes. It's a must-have on your Christmas list of music. You know what? That's how we're going to wrap up the 90s before we move on. Whirling, what? Whirling Dervishes. They name themselves after some uh, religious people who get into these frenzies and do this dance where they just spin around. And uh, Give me a song. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. What? A, what?
Okay, so I guess I have heard of them. <laughs> what about the uh, what, the Three Little Pigs song? What was that? Green Jelly? We listened to that yeah, yeah, Green Jelly was the Three Little Pigs. My kids love that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry about the Grinch. I think the best version is from, uh, what's his name from Dirty Jobs? Mike Rowe. He actually sang. Oh, it. I haven't heard his version. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, he actually sings. He's um, he sings a cappella with a group. He, I forgot what is it called where it's just a bunch of guys and they sing different. Quartet? Barbershop. Barbershop. That's it. Yeah, he mm-hmm. does a barbershop quartet, and um, he's really good. And they did Mr. Grinch. Yeah, he's he's got well, that. He voice. did he did Mr. Grinch. All by himself because he's got that deep voice, right? So, yeah, you guys. Given the choice between the two of you, I would pick a seasick crocodile. That's what it is, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, there's, yeah, we could go on forever about 90s music. I, and uh, I think at that point, Junction, it's a good time to stop, but not without paying ode to uh, a little certain band. Yeah, we don't have rights for that song, so I'm going to stop it right there before somebody gets mad. But I heard that song for the very first time in 2021. You played it in a in a Hertz truck. That makes me so, want to make you listen to some Dead Milkmen. And uh, oh yeah, Dead Milkmen are pretty funny too. Yeah. Um, the best part of it all was the the second pig. Because he was the one that was um, raised by Pig Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the music video is really awesome. That was back when MTV still played music videos. And it's all claymation. It's really good. Uh, anyway, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up the 90s. But we are not done yet. Uh, the reason you're here, good sir, is we want to talk about, and this one ain't going to be an our conversation i feel like a lot of us well sean disagrees if this rolls over into a part two can we have you next week 
Um, I believe so. We may have to do it late in the week, but yeah, I think so. All right, fair enough. Let's go ahead and get started. We want to talk about the best front men or women bands, no decade specific, and you're the music guy, you're the subject matter expert. What, in your opinion, makes a good front man? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, that you're there to see a show. They they've got to be kind of the one who drives the show, keeps it moving along. Um, I never saw myself as that front man. I think if I was to to be in a band, I would want to be. Uh, I, I'd rather be kind of in the background, adding to the whole big. I, yeah, I'd want to be a part of a good big, like a good band, but. Um, yeah, you need to, I, I think it's kind of like being a pimp. Um, not everyone can do it. <laughs> it's it's not like, you know, anyone can go shoplifting, hey, but it takes a... ain't easy, bro. <laughs> yeah, it takes a special personality. It takes a special kind of person to be a pimp. And the same with a front man. You got to be the pimp to the crowd. So a pimp, and then you go right into shoplifting? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some... some uh, Issues I'd need to work through, apparently. <laughs> so, I, I actually have a list. Um, do you have people off the top of your head that you can think of as front men that you think are are amazing? Uh, I would say uh, Robert Plant is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Um, I, I think on the Rolling Stones list, he actually ended up as number one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I'd never even read the article. I just... Uh, I've been to guitar stores where they have signs hanging that saying you can't play Stairway to Heaven because everyone's a fan of that. Um, you know, Steven Tyler's, he's kind of a pimp. Um, oh, big time. Yeah. Will Smith. Um, yeah, it's... it. it <laughs> Will, <laughs> Will, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Excuse Fresh Excuse me, Prince. I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Did you just say Will Smith? <laughs> Yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, man. That Keep was... your wife's name. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep your wife's name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. No, everybody's human. Come on. You got to forgive him a little bit. Oh, that wasn't That's his it. fault. That was Jada's fault. That was her fault. I, I can't really say that your actions should be anyone's fault but your own. But I, you know... I'm a big fan of Chris Rock and I'm a big fan of uh, Will Smith and I hated to see that whole thing play out because Chris Rock's sense of humor is kind of pisses people off every once in a while and uh, yeah I don't know that's I'm still a fan of both of them though I don't care what happened I'm I'm a fan of Will Smith like television show and an actor as a, a rapper musician didn't hate him, didn't care for him. Just, you know, I could live without that portion of it. But, like, he's done some fantastic movies. He's a good actor. And he's a good human being, too. Yeah, that that I, movie he won an award for at that ceremony was really good. A really good movie. Yeah. I you, just, you know, there's blank whipped. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know wait, you're, you're censoring yourself? Yeah, just, I am. Just say it. He's, there's pussy whipped. And then there's toxic. He's in a toxic relationship. I'm sorry, but he is. How would we know that? Because her love was Tupac. Yeah, her love died. Mm. 
and you know she likes to sleep with other dudes man yeah that's pretty toxic but i i've I've never been around them so i can't i can't i i guess we can make assumptions but that's all we can really do and maybe we're right who knows we don't you know because like you know we just see what's on tv but you know i'm a pretty judgy character nonetheless he's you know musical frontman you were talking about your favorites yeah um chris cornell um yeah i don't know it's uh that's okay well think about it for a minute chris i want to hear what a few years are all right so like if you categorize it there's like what he was saying there's like you know he's he used the phrase pimp i used a, you know kind of the phrase like there's a showman yeah. and then there's like the i don't know any way to put it but like just absolute perfectionist of a musician so if you go with showman like i think you'd have to put garth brooks on there because he puts on probably one of the you know like it's a band but you know he puts on a really good show um, I think you got to put Axl Rose on there. David Gilmore is in, should be on there. Who's that? David Gilmore. Okay. Um, I think you put Axl Rose on there because, like, you know, he he liked to dance and flail about. Ah, I I have a hard time with uh, Axl Rose just because the music, the lyrics, everything's so hardcore and tough. But he just sounds like a muppet to me. I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but that's. Yeah. It's hard to take him seriously. You know, you're in the jungle, baby. Yeah, but you You gotta look at records sold, man. Oh yeah, I mean, I I mean, and like here we are today. No, but see, now you're talking like a capitalist, and I'm talking like an artist. Time out, time out, because ACDC they were on tour, and their front man he had to stop. Right, Axl Rose jumped in, said, "All right, I'll play, I'll sing for him, and I'll let you guys finish out your tour." Now, Axl Rose today is not who he was back in the 90s. He can't hit notes like he used to. But that dude sat in there and he actually sang those ACDC songs phenomenally. If you look it up, there's there's a few of them that they have on, on YouTube. He actually did a really good job and I have to hand it to him. The fact that first that he just jumped in and said, all right, I'll do it, no problem. I think that shows that he's a stand-up dude. But... You know, yeah, he is talented. I, yeah. I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, let my personal opinion of him uh, take away from that fact. Yeah. So, like, you know, again, you're going showman. Um, what's the guy's name from Kiss? Paul Stanley. Yeah, yeah, throw him on there. Um, but kind and, of transitioning out of like the showman and just going like just straight like musician or, you know, even you know, with some entertainment. Like, I throw Hatfield in there. Because how many people, you know, can play lead guitar and metal? I don't think he plays the lead guitar. He plays the, the backup guitar. He goes back and forth. Yeah, he can, he can solo too. I'll yeah. Give, yeah, but... Uh, um, and I would throw in too... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. From Queen, the band Queen. In a time What's when... His name? Um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. So at a time period where the whole country was all feeling icky about gay people and stuff like that, he was like obviously gay, but 
everyone loved that guy because he was an amazing showman. That guy really had a phenomenal voice. He knew how and, to work the crowd. Yeah, and he put he put on a good show. He's a good front man too. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, some of my other favorite frontmen. I'm gonna go Steve Perry with Journey. Yeah, he's pretty good too. I'm gonna go Eddie Vedder with Pearl Jam. Because you can put Eddie Vedder out of Pearl Jam, and you just you know stick him in like a random music festival, he's just as good. Give him a ukulele, give him an electric guitar, give him an acoustic guitar, he's good. Um, I gotta go Don Henley, yeah, just simply Don because Henley. the guy has got the perfect pitch voice, whether it be a concert or whether it be a, an acapella or whether it be a CD, like he sounds the same. Um, who else? Joe Joe Walsh. Um... I've seen videos of his performances that I would say he's a good front man. But <laughs> at the show I saw him at, he, he wasn't as good. Well, he, he likes substances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was, he wasn't 100% sober, I could tell. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Well, that, guy's, that guy's a pretty good front man, too. Uh, his name. Joe Cocker. Yeah, Joe Cocker. Yeah. Uh, Lemmy with Motorhead. Like Lemmy, um, I think you got to put uh, Corey Taylor on there. Who's that? Corey Taylor. Yeah. This guy right here. I'll show you. Slipknot. Oh, Slipknot. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I was never the biggest Slipknot fan. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even, you know, even to this day, you know, like they sell out football stadiums. Yeah, the capitalist is speaking again. It's, uh, it's selling a selling out a stadium doesn't make him. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to argue with you, but to me, I'm I'm looking at it from a purely artistic point of view. Okay, and then uh, let me go. Yeah, Jim Morrison. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I agree with Robert Plant. Uh, Axl Rose. I think Kurt Cobain was a great front man. Yeah. Um, Roger Daltrey. Come on. The Who. Yeah. Guy's phenomenal. Yep. Ozzy Osbourne. Yep. Come on. I mean, yeah. anybody who can bite the head off a bat and <laughs> keep singing. <laughs> I, think, I think they just spray painted chickens. <laughs> I forgot to mention Sting. Yeah, Sting's up there too. John Bon Jovi. And I see Sting as a true um, artist too. That guy keeps evolving his music and it really seems like he's interested in doing it himself he's uh yeah Sorry. i got a front man john bon Jovi. no david lee roth oh yeah whoa that how did neither one of me and him get that david lee roth to me is the ultimate front man of the 90s i'm about to commit a sacrilege as a wannabe guitar player and say that i'm not that big of a fan of van halen um i he's he is an amazing, amazingly talented musician, but I just don't feel it. Well, uh, Dave, are you saying about David Lee Roth or are you no. talking about Eddie Van Halen? No, David Lee Roth is absolutely a phenomenal showman. I've seen, uh, I've seen videos of their concerts. I've never been to one. And if I had an opportunity, I would absolutely go to see David Lee Roth. But uh, I don't know. As a guitarist... Yeah. I'm surprised you're saying some of the things you're saying. I don't think it's sacrilegious. Like, you know, every this is all subjective. Like I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion, you know, we have different tastes. 
it just surprises me that you said that. Yeah, it's it's um it's kind of uh, you know I I've been uh, I've been soul searching and trying to find my own voice a little bit lately, and uh, um, when I listen to stuff, I try to be honest about what I like. And uh, Joe Satriani, arguably one of the greatest guitarists of all time, and Eddie Van Halen, they're they're amazing. And and when you listen to them, um, every guitarist loves them, but for some reason, it just doesn't speak to my soul in the way that I feel music should. My my favorite band right now of that I would say is a band called the Bambi Molesters. And I hate admitting that because that band sucks. <laughs> or I mean that that name sucks, but there's two guitarists, a drummer and a bassist and that both of the guitarists are good enough to be soloist and they just they they dance their melodies around each other and it speaks to me, but um, but, uh, just never, I've kind of been falling out of love with the, the other Joe Satriani's and Eddie Van Halen's and stuff like that. Maybe I just heard it too much on the radio and got tired of it. I don't know. All right. I, I want to bring this back to our, our lead guys, Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. I thought he was amazing. Before um, he went Nazi cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I agree. I, uh, yeah. Perry Farrell. I mean, yeah, I think he's a, a great one as well. Who's he's, the guy from Deep Purple? Yeah, that's uh, that's going old school. I have no Smoke idea. Smoke on the water. Coverdale. David Coverdale. Yeah, I I haven't. That I'll name go sounds look. Sounds familiar, but I can't think of. Who I'll he go is. look for footage to see how. I I haven't. I can't put a mental image of him in my. I can't, well, can't see his face. Yeah. Put a face to it. However you say that. Yeah. He said, uh, Orwell here just said Prince. Um, yeah, Prince is up there. Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Amy Lee. I don't know who that is. Evanescence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, God, who else was there? Chester Bennington. I've heard that name. Lincoln Park. Yeah, oh, yeah. Park. Campano. Yeah. Like I Mick Jagger. Like to me, like U two's not a band. U two's just Bono with a couple guys that play instruments that he calls U two. Are you telling me the edge is not a the edge is one of the guitarists? Steven Tyler, same thing, right? Yeah. No, the edge is one of the guitarists that speaks to my soul. That guy's a good guitarist. And most people only see Bono, but because the edge is in the back backing him up he sounds phenomenal so i you know all right i'm gonna take billboard's top 25 and let's rate their top 25 and see what they say oh david draymond (laughs) yeah that guy's got no voice oh my god does he have a voice um let's do billboard's top 25 of all time it's men and women uh so number 25 is john bon jovi uh, 24, Steven Tyler. I think that is way too low. It depends on who they got after this. Um, Kathleen Hanna. Okay, you're right. That's way too low. Who the hell is Kathleen Hanna? I don't know. From punk band Bikini Kill. Oh. Okay. I don't agree, but all right. Um, Joe Strummer, The Clash. Yeah. 
Uh, 21, oh, Laura Jane that. Grace. Lovely what? Card. Yeah, she fronted uh, against me. Another punk hook. Yeah, punk rock has kind of fallen out of the public eye, and I think it's probably because of all the public uh, political correctness. I don't even know who this is. 20 is Debbie Harry. Yeah. You don't know who Debbie Harry is? No. From the that was famous Avril band. Levine before it was Avril Lavigne. <laughs> no, she's from Blondie. Oh, but that's kind of that's Blondie. That. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Kind of like that little rocker chick. Yeah. Well, no. yeah. Um, Joan Jett, right? Yeah. She's a she's a pretty good front front man, front woman, yep. front person. What's okay. the nineteen? Is Bono? Uh, eighteen. Bob Dylan. Completely forgot about Bob Dylan. But you know what, Bob. Bob Dylan, he's bizarre, man. He's a better songwriter than he is a musician. Yeah, but he can't sing for shit, but be- his, his writings are pretty damn good. Yeah, because he writes so well, uh, it's why he's... I love his music. I'll listen to it all day, but it's... Um, my wife doesn't like it at all because she can't get past his, his nasally voice. So. so then she doesn't like number 17, Axl Rose? No, not so much. <laughs> I'd still go see him though, because Slash, I really like Slash. I like the Snake Pit and yeah. the stuff he's done is all really good. All right, 16's Ozzy Osbourne, 15 Robert Plant. No way, that should have been one. Hold on a second. What? 15 Robert Plant. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Uh, it's my house. No, I mean the list. <laughs> 14 Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Stop being so literal, man. Joni, Mitchell, uh, Joni Mitchell's good. 13, Jim Morrison. Uh, 12, Stevie Nicks. God, forgot all about Stevie Nicks. I just mentioned her a minute ago. I wasn't listening. <laughs> 11, Kurt Cobain. It should be noted, we have not done any drink reviews on here, no. so there's no reason why we should not be here and stuff. Number 10, Patti Smith. Who's that? I have no idea. Sounds familiar to me. Alex. I don't know. Look her up. Oh, David Bowie, number nine. Oh, I forgot about him. Number eight, Chuck, Chuck Berry. Oh, my God. Number seven, Mick Jagger, the flamboyant one. Paul McCartney, number six. Wow. I, I can't believe that uh, we haven't mentioned that. Wow. Yeah, actually, I, I probably wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't mention Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's a great front man. Yeah. Number five, Janis Joplin. Four, Elvis Presley. I guess we're going of all time. Yeah. We must be. Uh, number three, Jimi Hendrix. Don't know why I forgot about Hendrix. Number two, Freddie Mercury. And their number one, oh my God, I thought I was going to be Mark Knopfler for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the headband. I'm like, no way are they picking Mark Knopfler. But uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I don't agree with it, but I don't hate it because, I mean, I think that's a fair list. Yeah, I, I never really got into their music much, but I I uh, came across a um, some videos of him playing a song, and, and I, I couldn't help but get into it. Like, that guy plays his guitar angry. He looks like he's trying to hurt it, and, uh, and oh, yeah. it's, it's powerful. Well, he looks it's, like he's constipated when he's playing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's... Uh, but it's good, though. It, it comes out... All right, so eventually, 
I think one of the criteria for like a good front <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah. shit. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> One of the criteria for a good front man is, like, if you take the front man out, like, the band dwindles. Like, it, it, it's not the same. But. What band? Name a couple bands. As I'm getting well, there. No, no, no. Give, give us, give me two bands. I could tell you one. What right that now. if are you talking about if we take the take front Don men Henley out? Yeah, the Eagles. Even every single one of them is just as talented. I don't think you can take Don Henley out of the Eagles. I don't think you can take Zach De La Rocha out of Rage Against the Machine. Even though you can take Rage Against the Machine and put them with Chris Cornell and make Audio Slave. It's a totally different band. But that's it. Is that it's a successful band even without him? Yeah. So now let's talk about a band like NXS. They can't find somebody to front them, right? So you lose Michael Hutchins and excess is gone. They even did remember they did that stupid show and they got that one guy who From um, Extreme. What's that? The guy from Extreme. There's a band called Extreme that sang a song uh, more than words. Yeah, yeah. Um that's who did that's who filled in for him. No, I thought it was some kid. Um it was a young kid. And uh he didn't because they did that TV show where they were trying to find a new frontman for NXS. Yeah. And it was this, there were like two kids. One of them was a writer and he was really good, but he wasn't a good showman. And then there was a showman, but he sure as hell didn't know how to write. So they ended up picking the showman, right? And I think he even, um, I think he even sang with the doors at one point. Um, I think he even did a Freddie Mercury cover or something like that too. Um, he could sing, he just can't write for shit, and In Excess never took off. Well, yeah, I, I'm sad about that, too. I really liked In Excess. Well, you know, Steve Perry and all that drama journey happened, and, like, they got that Filipino kid in there now, and it's not the same, but he he sounds very close. Now, my mother's going to hate hearing this. She's got, like, this inappropriate crush on Steve Perry. <laughs> but, you know, like, the feathered hair. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> but you you put Steve Perry in Journey and they're selling out, you know, Footprint Center. But with this kid, they're probably not going that big. They're probably going Comerica. I'm talking in like Phoenix talk here. Yeah, but I mean, it, would they really still be selling out giant stadiums with, with Steve, Steve Perry? Perry? Not giant stadiums, but they'd sell out arenas. But I mean, people people of that age might not be going to shows anymore. I mean, it's. Is is there a market for? Yeah, the teenagers. That's one of the other bands that was on my daughter's playlist, and like they know those songs word for word. Huh. And they would they would go see it. I think so. Hmm. I do. I really do. But I I don't like my daughter doesn't. You know, the only reason she and I'm talking about Nicole. The only reason she knows who Steve Perry is is because my mother has absolutely no problem telling her. How much she wants to have his babies, even though she's 60-something years old. <laughs> Talking to her oh, 16-year-old granddaughter. Yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, that, that's just uh, how we uh, communicate our, our love for the music or whatever. But, uh, but she thinks it's sacrilege that this kid, and he's not a kid, but this dude with Journey Now is in there. But if you listen to them, I can tell the difference. My mother can tell the difference, but like the average fan probably couldn't tell the difference. 
Yeah. So like they got lucky, but like you know you take other bands, you know. ACDC. Yeah, ACDC. Wait, what has Lincoln Park done since Chester passed? I don't know. They did a tribute concert, but like you know, they're basically gone. Yeah, and I I think part of the problem is is that um, in order to keep doing those shoes shows, you need to get an imitator, basically somebody who can just imitate the last guy. Exactly, and that's and, what Journey did. And and really, that's that's kind of taken away. You know, if you get a new guy, he's not able to create any new. Um, any new material because how can you imitate that guy and write new stuff? It's two well, different look at Van skills. Halen, right? So yeah, Van they Van had Halen. David Lee Roth and then they went to Sammy Hagar. Yeah. That band phenomenal. I mean, Sammy Hagar, I think really took Van Halen to another level. In, in my opinion though, it's, it's Edward that, uh, that made them successful all that time because any guitarist I've known, just worship that guy and especially in the 80s and 90s so they they would go see the edward van halen and uh and whoever's singing is just a bonus okay so there's a lot of bands where you can replace the lead band and they will be successful maybe they're not as successful maybe they're more successful but they're still successful nonetheless yeah what are some bands that they either a could not do without their front man or b they absolutely dwindled like no i doubt. no doubt with gwen stefani she went her own way and they're donezo yeah. motorhead lemmy passed blind they're melon done. blind melon yeah cranberries stp stone temple pilots yeah 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 and it's it's a shame i i think um i think musicians should be able to just kind of keep on um just find a new path you know keep going but it's it's like catching lightning in a bottle to be that famous on that level even to be a one-hit wonder is amazing controversial question so glenn fry passed what 2016 whatever it was the eagles still tour to this day they put glenn fry's son they put vince gill on the tour with them they're still selling out those are expensive seats so as talented as Glenn Fry was, and I'm going to say is because I still listen to, you know, Glenn Fry stuff. They were able to replace Glenn Fry. What happens when Don Henley passes? I don't think you replace a Don Henley. That's like trying to say you're going to replace Kurt Cobain. It didn't happen. Right. Yeah, but John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. They lost Eric Clapton, and they still had several successful albums. And maybe you guys don't remember them because they're really way back there. But uh, it, it's um, if if you've got the if if you're able to keep the inspiration going and keep making new music, you can do it. You just have to you have to keep it. Yeah. Hey, so what's our timer at right now? Uh, we're like at like. Uh, an hour forty nine. I I want to I want to throw an audible in here. So I, I I think we've kind of exhausted the front man talk a little bit. I think we all got our points across. Sure. Since we're talking about music, and we've kind of been you know in the last you know few weeks we've been talking about different decades like eighties nineties, 
I think the musical soundtrack to movies is, you know, every now and again you get a good one, but I think it's pretty much, you know, pretty much donezo for the most part. But if you remember like the 70s, 80s, 90s, even, you know, a lot of parts in the 2000s, you know, you had your musical score to the movies, but then there was the soundtrack and that was all the music that was attached to the movie. Perfect examples like Armageddon. You had a lot of Aerosmith. They basically, you know, Aerosmith, that was basically an Aerosmith album. Yeah. But there were some other bands on there. I want to get your take. I have my favorites. What are some of your favorite musical soundtracks to movies? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to just go with Tarantino movies in general. They're all pretty good. And uh, um, what's the what's the director who uh, married Madonna, the British guy? Um, oh, um, God, what is his name? He did uh, Snatch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember his name offhand and... Uh, Actually, in Snatch, uh, somebody gets in a car and they play a Madonna song, and he goes, "Ooh, I like this song." <laughs> but but uh, other than that, I pretty much I, yeah. I, he's I, looking it up. It's gonna make me go don't when he looks it up because the name's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, but uh, Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie, yeah, Son of Guy a bitch. Ritchie movies, and and love Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah, and obviously, the good, the bad, and the ugly is a really good soundtrack. Um. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the kind of music I like is that, uh, soundtrack background music. That's, that's what the Bambi molesters play is it sounds like a spaghetti Western, like the good, the bad and the ugly. But, uh, I would say, yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, Tarantino, he picks really good, interesting music that always surprises me in every movie where you think you have someone figured out and then they you know, he always surprises me. No, that, that's actually a good point because I actually did not have any Tarantino stuff picked out. I know that um, there's one director out there, he really likes to use Led Zeppelin, but he likes to use like the best of Led Zeppelin, you know, When the Levee Breaks and, you know, like the really popular songs, but the really good songs. And, you know, that's just that particular director. But like his overall movie soundtracks, um, favorite? Hmm. Probably Top Gun. Yeah. Um, one. So, uh... Two was a good album, but I mean, no, number one, probably the nostalgia behind it, but there was a lot of Kenny Loggins in there. Um, Rocky Four. Roadhouse. Footloose. Footloose, that's a good one. Yeah. But, um, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, Staying Alive, Urban Cowboy. That stuff's a little before my time. But, uh, it's before my time, but well, I still grew up with it. Yeah, actually, I shouldn't say it that way because there's a lot of really old stuff that I I really like. But I just uh, I never got into disco that much. Um, Dirty Dancing. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm sure your wife would agree with that. <laughs> I'm sure that. <laughs> I'm sure my brother would agree with it too. <laughs> yeah, and Not, probably my old man. I, I yeah, just uh, that music's a little bit too. Um, I I don't know. Maybe it's too power ballady for me. I'm I tend to shy away from that. And I'm not saying right. that that stuff's bad. I no, just, it's not uh, your cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. Quentin Tarantino was a good choice, though. 
Maybe not power ballads the wrong word, but something. something. I'm trying to balance this in my head. I think I still stick with top one as number one or top gun as number one. Um, hmm, probably Rocky four roadhouse, dirty dancing. Star Wars. That's a score. Yeah. I like the scores. That's probably what, what I couldn't put into words is that, I like the ones that are scores, and you like the... Well, if you, you want know. to go scores, Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's... Yeah. Even the new Superman. And I don't like the new DC movies, but the Superman, a decent score. I, I can't think of what the Superman music is. The new Superman, right? Yeah. But, Armageddon. Uh, that was that They had a score, and they had a soundtrack. They were both great. What about John Hughes films? They have pretty good soundtracks. I mean, those songs have been Uncle in my... Uncle Buck? No, like uh, 16 Candles. I don't know what songs are in Uncle Buck, actually. But I'm talking like 16 Candles and uh, and uh, The Breakfast Club and, you know... Um, oh, there's uh, Weird Science. Those ones have some pretty good music, too. What about Natural Born Killers? Oliver Stone. I can't think of the music from it. That's a good movie. So, but I, uh, some Rage Against Machine. I think oh, uh, yeah, Dr. Drain Ice Cube did a number in there. Oh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, no one mentioned Nine Inch Nails. That's some 90s music right there. I think Shawnee Boy did. Mm-hmm. Did, did anyone mention The Ministry? No. no. They had two drummers. How many bands can you say that about? When you want to start talking about drummers, I can just go straight to Rush. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's like when when people talk about their favorite drummers, there's two people. There's the ones who like the the rock and roll drummers and there's the ones who like the jazz drummers. Like the Spin Doctors had a great jazz drummer and then Rush has a great rock and roll drummer. Travis and, uh, Barker. Sorry, dude. Who the guy from Def Leppard only had one arm. He was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And, and the Bloodhound Gang hire wrote a song a guy about from it. The circus to be your drummer, and he does good. <laughs> yeah. How do you get a one-armed guy out of a tree? <laughs> Just wave at him. All right. Oh, so did, we, hey, you guys were talking about movies with with great soundtracks, and and neither one of you, and maybe I've got seven girls out of my nine kids. Okay, Cruella. Is an amazing. I think it's a great movie, but the soundtrack to that movie is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I agree. So, I haven't actually watched it yet. You came over to the house that one night. You got to watch it now. Steph, Steph wound up going to bed. Me and you passed out. We didn't watch it. We we may have been enhanced. (laughs) You need to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. You got to watch it. I want to watch it. Like. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. And the soundtrack Steph really is it. good. Usually yeah. when, when he and I are hanging out, like Steph will come down there for a few minutes. She's like, all right, boys, have fun. She goes upstairs. But when she found out we wanted to watch Girls, like, oh, I want to watch it. And then like we both passed out on the couch. She's like, well, I guess I'll go to bed now. Uh-huh. <laughs> she just left us there. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously she was going to leave him there, but she left me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Some of those Disney movies got some decent soundtracks. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Yeah, Yeah. the new Aladdin. Uh, I'm gonna go with the original. Well, well, they always did the uh, 
like the movie version of the songs and then they would always have like a big star like you know for example like Lion King they had all the actors in the movie singing out but then Elton John did the actual soundtrack oh okay you know what I mean yeah just yeah. like I think with Beauty and the Beast they had Luther Vandross you know do the soundtrack and they had you know like the actors do the the, the movie so Disney does a pretty good job yeah, it's been so long since I've heard those songs get radio time, but I think I remember that now that you mention it. I don't remember which one Celine Dion had. I don't know if that was a Disney movie. That may have I think been. it was Beauty and the Beast. That's, yeah. Kind of rings Luther? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I, don't know, I thought that was a fun little... Yeah, soundtracks. Little, little I, audible. I love, I love movie soundtracks. I, um, You forgot to mention the... Uh, what are they called? The the oceans, eleven, twelve, thirteen, oh fourteen. My however, they all have really good music, but only if you really like that Elvis, jazz drummer. Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they're they're usually like kind of intense jazz music. That's uh, whenever I put that on at work, I get a lot done. Well, there's that one song that they did in the second one, and it's just really catchy, and I can listen to it just driving down the road. No, no words to it. It's where the the dude They're was going through the laser. Yeah, yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. that was, that was. You know what? I have it. He's got it. So while he's looking that up, we'll we'll put a we'll put a bow on this, and then we'll we'll you know, kind of wrap up a little bit. But uh, I for I totally forgot my my train of thought, and I'm not even going to cut that out because I don't even care. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> From Ocean's Eleven, or no? No, it's Ocean's Twelve. Oh, Ocean's Twelve, because that was when they were overseas, and like they were. Where were they at? In Prague? No. Either way, don't matter. They just—it was a lot of international type music. Yeah, and and I I dig that stuff. I I like to. Yeah, I I I found a bunch of Portuguese uh, like Brazilian music that I like lately. Here we go. No, I can't play it on, on this, but IAPP. Let's see if it's on Spotify. Or on Spotify. Thank you for that person in um we got we got a new international listener. We have one person in Ireland. Hmm. We now have one person in France too. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. When I when we used to have a bunch of uh, Irish seeds working with us, um, I was walking down the hall and I mentioned how disappointed I was that I had never once heard any of them say "Top of the morning to you," because <laughs> Top I've, of the morning to you, because I've always loved that saying. I say it all the time, and uh, not because I'm trying to be clever. I just like it. I like the the way it rolls off the tongue. But a couple of Irish guys were walking behind me in the hall, and they. I heard them pipe up, and they said, "We're not all leprechauns, you know." <laughs> so right. I guess I guess that's what leprechauns say. We're not all leprechauns, you you know. Well, you can't do it. Yeah, they're fun to listen to talk. Like even like Conor McGregor, like you know, dude just snaps his freaking leg on TV, and he's sitting there he's like, "It was on a check. Your wife was in me DMs. <laughs> Oi, all we go." <laughs> Yeah, there was one engineer at work who he punctuated every sentence with the word dude. 
<laughs> and it sounded so weird coming from an Irish guy. I was trying to talk through an issue once and he's, he said to me, not understanding the problem, dude. And it just, oh, it was, it was awesome. I practiced that one because I thought it sounded so awesome. Apparently we're not able to play this because they, I, Apple Music has it blocked. That's kind of bunk. Yeah, as, as someone who really loves deep tracks, I've found a bunch of songs that Spotify won't play too. Well, well not Apple bu- Music, so you're on Spotify. That's it. We're going to YouTube. Oceans, 12. Usually soundtracks. Dance. Here yeah. we go. It's an ad, folks. TFW, the personal price plan. This is a Mountain Dew ad. Neither of which are sponsors. Here we go. Right, with no equipment. There it is. Speed test. We, we could probably make this into two episodes. Probably could, but I guess we'll stop right there. I mean, um, no, I don't want, I don't, yeah, I didn't want to chop it off or anything, but I was just, uh, just noticing we've been, we kind of got on a roll there. Music's fun to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I tend to veer off the beaten path with, uh, with movies, but you get the three of us together and like you get, especially if you have different tastes, because all three of us, we have different tastes in music. Mm-hmm. But we have just enough alike to where we can get along and play nice. And we have just enough differences where we can have a little bit of poking fun. Yeah. Like you like to call me a capitalist, you fucking <laughs> bastard. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, was, I, I almost felt like I pushed it too far that last time. But, nah. but uh, yeah, to me, um, music isn't about making money. But, you know, obviously to... Uh, uh, who's that self uh, self self appointed genius? Um, Kanye. Yeah. yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy's all about making money. So, well, like music. The thing, like with music, is it it hits you in your feels. Yeah, and I'm not saying Kanye is not an artist. He he is actually. I'm I'm not as big a fan of him as some of the other artists, but I feel like he's a true artist. So, I can live without him. I'm fine with him. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm trying not to talk shit anymore. My mom told me not to say anything if I can't say anything nice. Oh, I'm a Kanye fan. I mean, don't get me wrong, he is he is a little weird, but he came out with some amazing songs. I mean, Jesus Walks, Love Lockdown. Um, why can't I think of the other one? Yeah, and and to me, it doesn't sound like the music industry is steering what he's putting out he's he's doing his own thing and i appreciate that yeah i mean heartless that was that was another one 
But he's got... His newer songs are okay, but... You know, when you're hungry and you're young, that's usually when a lot of the great stuff comes out. And that's that's the stuff that I'm talking about, when he was young and hungrier. Oh, Lordy. Well, I don't know. It seems like a good place to stop right there. Okay. Yeah. Danny boy. We'll leave it on Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for Frick's sake, we can't do that. Well, I guess we could. You think this is a mother-flipping joke? <laughs> I'm sorry, Taylor Swift, but Beyonce, she grays ours all time. You don't get that award. Ain't Queen B? <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Rihanna's performance? We'll end on that. Um, I liked it. It's, uh, yeah, I liked it. It was good. The Super Bowl show was, uh, was good this year. Okay, let's pretend you were blindfolded. What did you think of her performance? Uh, yeah. Same thing. I mean, it's a show, right? You can't be blindfolded and watch the Super Bowl show and say, yeah, this, it sounded great. Um, I like her music, and they put on a good show. I love the whole uh, floating platform that she was on. That that looked uh, that looked like it would have been hard to sing up there. Right? Uh, Especially if you're five months pregnant, which nobody freaking knew. Yeah, you could see the safety line clipped on there, but still, it's got to shake your nerves a little bit to be way up there on a platform like that. But I, I'm on a, I'm blindfolded, so I couldn't even know that. Yeah, you're blindfolded. You didn't see her, you know, grab her crotch and smell her fingers. Yeah. You didn't see her smack her ass. Yeah. Me and Laura saw it with yeah. Mrs. Andrews. Yeah, I saw it with my wife too. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was kind of interesting. I'm waiting for the day where Justin Timberlake comes back and rips somebody's top off. <laughs> That's one of the only times I ever watched the whole Super Bowl halftime show. And I picked the right one, right? With Janet? Yeah. Yeah, the wardrobe malfunction. Oh, my gosh. True story on this one. I was at a Super Bowl party for a church youth group. I was one of the sponsors of it. So we're supposed to be one of the responsible adults, right? But I'm surrounded by teenagers. I'm talking like middle school, high, you know, in like high school aged, you know. And it's Tennessee. Uh, their their church groups tend to be a little more sheltered than the rest of the world. So the fact that that happened, you you thought there would have been you know an outrage going on because that's exactly what happened. And I just remember it's like. I just want to watch the rest of the game, guys. <laughs> Can we just move on past this? It's a boob. Yeah. It, it, there's a pasty on there. You didn't see any nipple. Yeah, actually, I think it was a, a nipple ring. I think it was... Uh, it, that's what makes me think it was planned, is I think I'm pretty sure it was a nipple ring. But yeah, it, it was... Yeah, in the shape of the sun. Yeah. I remember it well. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. Did you zoom in? Uh, no, there's some things that are burned into my memory. Oh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I'll say it that way. Because I didn't study it as much as... I don't know. I, I tend to... And you can tease me on this one. I don't care because, you know, this is the truth. I actually focused more, not so much on her exposure... But the look on JT's face, I seriously don't think he knew what was coming. I think he thought it was going to be something else. 
I think he was given direction. He did what he was told. And when he realized that he was bamboozled, he was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he might. He fucked up. (laughs) It it could have been planned, but still the shock of the moment might have got to him. I don't know. But uh, I was I watched it at a Super Bowl party at Red Robin. I think my friend's girlfriend worked there and they closed the place down for all the employees to watch the Super Bowl. And the halftime show, everyone was getting into it. There were there were like the whole dance song and dance leading up to it was kind of racy. And people were like, oh, oh. And when that happened, it shut them all up. It was it was kind of awesome to see everyone in that whole restaurant just dead silent. All right, we we we've tried to end this four or five times. I'm gonna end it with this, and all three of us get to answer. Greatest Super Bowl halftime show. Start with you. Uh, I'm gonna say that one. Rihanna. Okay. No, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Without the boob, are you still saying Janet Jackson? Uh, yeah, well, I I like the uh, Aerosmith one too. Pretty that was good. Britney Spears and Aerosmith that was a good one. Yeah. Okay, so but you're going Janet. What about you, Mister Warwick? <laughs> um, I actually like Dr. Dre and Eminem. That was my favorite too. Dr. Dre and Eminem. Second favorite, probably the Aerosmith one. Fifty mm-hmm. Cent. Yeah. Last year's was a good one. Snoop. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, oh yeah, Snoop was a good one. I forgot about that one. Doing a crip walk. Yep. On stage in Inglewood. So like that's like f- full circle for him. Yeah. Doing a crip walk in front of one of the largest crowds in Super Bowl history in his freaking hometown. Anyway. Yep. I remember it well. All right. Well, this was every bit of a two-parter. Probably could have made it a three-parter. We're going to end it right there. Uh, coming down the bend, I'm going to be honest with you. Got a couple things that uh, that were working. Uh, going to keep them close to the chest. But between now and next Tuesday, uh, we're going to re- be recording on Tuesday. Mr. Warber here has to jump ship next weekend, as does our third loose screw, Dan. Happy birthday, sir. Oh, thank you. I really hope you enjoy yourself. Wish mm-hmm. I could make it. Yeah, me too. But um, y'all have fun. Take plenty of pictures. Uh, no. Jesus Cristo. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we don't have a topic for Tuesday, so we're just kind of winging it until then. We'll we'll know what we're going to talk about when we get there. Um, boys, what do you say? Adios, amigos. Lump? No, I was thinking, you know, do you want to do another one? Oh, I was wondering what I should say. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, of course. Go, I'll do another one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, we are the three loose screws. That is Dan. That is Sean. This is Chris, and we are out.